Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to episode 229 of the Washed Up Emo podcast. I am Tom Mullen from washedupemo.com. Today in the podcast, we welcome Colin McCann from Don Martin 3, Fulture Feather, and Wilderness. Don Martin 3, we're from St. Augustine, Florida from the years 93 to 1996. So if you're a fan of Moss Icon, Indian Summer, Policy of Three, you know, singing, quiet, loud parts, we talk about that time and the bands from that era and when the word emo didn't really mean that much. So please search out Don Martin 3. We also then get into Vulture Feather. Um, this is Colin's band and they have a new album called Liminal Fields and it's out right now and it is one of the best albums of the year. So search that as well. We talk about the meaning behind the band name, and the struggles Colin had before making music again and the start of Vulture Feather and this album. We didn't get to talk about Wilderness, another one of his bands, but search them out as well. Um, James, who was a singer in Wilderness, started Fuse Records that put out the first Don Martin 3. And Will, who's the drummer in Wilderness, is in the band Hope Springs Eternal that was on a Don Martin 3 split, three-way split 7-inch. So it's full circle, and especially with Colin's life in music, it is beautiful to have him back into the fold. So please, search out Vulture Feather. The album is called Liminal Fields, and it was a beautiful conversation. I was not expecting to have this one, and I'm so happy that Colin reached out. Hope you enjoy, too. This is episode 229 of the Washed Up Email Podcast with Colin McCann. we've stuck around and it's been a really good place to live kind of uh you know unconventional in a lot of ways uh you know strange town sort of has um they're just the rural sort of backwoods elements but also mixed with that kind of northern california flavor so there's there's plenty of just kind of weird hybrid people um living in the woods and stuff so yeah i don't know it's been good it's a good been a good place to live you are familiar with the show and kind of what what i've been doing for a while correct yeah yeah i've sort of um just recently been made aware of it maybe in the last year or so um a friend of mine mentioned it to me and i have listened to a few of the interviews so yeah i I have um i've got somewhat of a grip on cool. what you're up 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 to you know nice which ones did you check out you don't have to name all of them but yeah um i recently listened to the the daniel littleton interview and uh i really enjoyed that um i also listened to your interview with sunny k sunny's kind of a friend and i was just curious um i think that might have been the first one i listened to and it was right around the time when i looked into what your thing was and it was probably 
Sonny had maybe done something recently on there. So I listened to that. And then uh, Sarah from Unwound, I listened to that. I just was a huge Unwound fan um, when I was younger and I, and I was curious. So I thought that was really great. Thank you. Um, so anyway, yeah, those are, those are the three that come to mind immediately. Awesome. I totally appreciate that. I think what's um, exciting about this the, you know, podcast and, you know, thing that I've just done for fun for a long time is that there's these bands that you would see on a flyer or see as a seven inch or see in a zine. And um, they might, you know, only be around for a short period of time, but then they, they kind of stick around. And yeah. the special part about the late nineties is that so many of those labels did not, you know, transfer or um, evolve into the streaming era. A lot right. of things were lost, and that's why I find this era so fascinating. Um, and I remember your—I remember the name of your band. I don't believe that I saw you. Um, I was looking through some of my notes and um, flyers and things, but I don't remember. But I, I might have been just too young, um, or maybe I missed it on a weeknight or something when I couldn't go out. But um, would love to have you kind of explain Don Martin three to anybody that, that, that wouldn't know. Yeah. Don Martin three. Um, yeah, that was a, a band that it seemed like maybe it was, I don't know, probably like a lot of bands of, of kids who want to want to do music, want to make a band with friends. It seemed like, Hmm. There was a time where we were trying to do it. Um, I guess it's it started when I met Brian, who I, I still play music with, and I he also lives in this little town here with me. Um, but I was in high school, and I think I was in tenth grade, and I was in a um, sort of a an assembly of some kind, like in the auditorium, and I was sitting. And with with a friend, I think, and in the row in front of me was this kid just sitting directly in front of me. And he had um, sort of like dyed hair and um, I think his hair was like white or something. And he had a, a minor threat shirt on. And um, I was sitting with a, an, another friend who was who I guess was friends with Brian and he introduced us and I immediately was just uh, – I don't know. I was just drawn to him as a human being right off the bat. And I told him I liked his shirt and, and I think I'd seen him in the hallways. This was probably like a month into the school year. It was my first year at this school. And, um, ah, man, I don't know, kind of like immediately after that, we just became like kind of inseparable friends and spent, uh, all the time outside of school together, just hanging out, listening to music and just, I don't know, getting acquainted really quickly the way you do when you're a young person kind of excited about a friendship. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know, Brian, I think at the time when I met him, Brian was a singer in a band, like in a punk band. And, um, they invited me to come and like jam with them or something. They were playing like in a garage, you know, in, in the suburbs near Jacksonville, Florida. Um, and I went to that and they had like one song and it was, you know, it was pretty good. I, re I actually remember the song. Um, Brian was the singer and I don't know. I think whatever happened with that band, some kind of like, childish childish stuff um brian was like kicked out of the band even though everyone was like close friends with him and i still played with these people for a short while but anyway that just that kind of disintegrated quickly and then brian and i's friendship just remained and i don't know it just occurred to me i said well man why don't you play why don't you play bass because i you know i was playing guitar and uh so and, and I think he, you know, he played a little bit of guitar and stuff. So we just picked up the bass and, you know, we just wanted to, to play punk rock. And so it was, you know, he picked up the bass and it was perfect. It was fine. And we started making songs and looking for a drummer. And I think there was like three or four. 
we did the whole rigmarole, like just playing with kids from our school and putting up flyers at the um, kind of like at the uh, all ages show spot and things like that. And so I don't know, nothing, nothing really stuck. All the while, we still we just kept we're trying like making songs and just sort of um, communing over music and you know we we shared the same interests as far as that that went and uh, eventually I met through through a friend in St Augustine Florida I met Dave um, who became the drummer of Don Martin Three and he was pretty much also a guitar player. We played keyboards and stuff. I think his instinct was more of like a melodic um, sort of instincts, you know. So, but he said, "Yeah, I mean, I he had a, a crappy old drum set, and he said I'll give it a try." And we practiced once, we jammed or whatever, and uh, yeah, it was like okay. I think just just mentally and kind of on that. Um, a more inner level, we connected. Uh, and it didn't really matter exactly how it sounded at the moment, but it was clear like, okay, this can, we can do this, this, this will work. And uh, yeah. So I don't know. We just started making some songs and got a few together and then started looking for shows, which was really difficult at that time in our town. There was very little of anything happening. And there was things happening in other towns a little bit further away, but we were still young. Like Brian and I were still, I think, in 10th grade at this time. Maybe it was like the summer after 10th grade or something like that. And so we didn't really know how to go about it. Um, and right around this this exact same time, a, a, a little record store opened up in our town in, in St. Augustine, Florida. And uh, it was just like a gem, an amazing place uh, that just changed a handful of people's lives. You know, it was that, it was that kind of place. What was it called? um, It was called Fuse Records. Um, And it was started by James who became just, you know, my closest brother and, and uh, another friend named Brett. Uh, and they they started this record store in St. Augustine. I'm not sure of the year. It was probably like the early 90s, maybe like 93 or four or something like that. I think 93 seems like probably the most the best bet. Um, but you know, they built the record bins and um, they got stuff from the right distributors. And just you know, the first time I went in there, it was just the kind of store where you went in. They would talk to you and say, "What are you into?" And uh, we'll check this out, you know. And so, you know, they were getting, uh, you know, all of the like abolition stuff and just like, you know, just a gold mine at that time for Brian and I up, up until that point. You know, we were really into punk rock music, but it was mostly like SST stuff and Discord records and, you know, the usual suspects mm-hmm. there. So, like, I don't know. So you go into the store and there'd be something playing and, you know, just, oh, this, this, the order just came in from um, like Evolution or whatever. And it's like, okay, here, how about check out this band, Heroin or like Angel Hair? Um, I think, I think those bands were just happening right about at that time, you know, when we started doing, doing the Don Martin Three thing. It's hard to remember all these things, like in terms of chronology, but I'm just, I'm you know, being you're, kind of loose. No, you're being perfect, actually. You're, um, if, you know, if, after 200 plus of these, I think you're really telling, a, you're painting a beautiful picture. Um, so, what about heroin or angel hair or other ones that, why, why did that, yeah. why did that connect? Yeah. So, like heroin and angel hair, yeah. some bands that I remember at that time, just like totally. Just changing the way that I saw what what it was, you know, it was like um, another band was Universal Order of Armageddon. I just when I heard that band, I was just like, oh my god, it was just like uh, um, the most potent machine or something, you know. And they they were putting out records right around this exact same time as well. Um, and so what it was about those, I'm not sure. There was like an element of chaos in it 
And so there was, there was sort of like this violent chaos and this anger that was being sort of like channeled into this beauty that was like really distilled, um, really like transmuted into, into something just slightly, you know, it was just beautiful. And, you know, I think that's happened always. That's always happened in music, whatever the emotion is, it's being like, um, transmuted or changed into whatever like the form is that comes out into the sound of the music but um yeah for me at that time it was just sort of a um i don't know there's elements of like abstraction and weirdness to it that appealed to me and um also just yeah i don't know it just had it just had a certain power to it and uh, you know there was there was other other bands too even even um, you know like I I can't really I can't really remember everything but I, definitely those were early early ones like those those records on Gravity and like um, yeah Universal Order of Armageddon stuff like that definitely resonated. Brian lived a little bit further further north of me and he would come down to practice and hang out and Dave and I lived pretty close together in this town of St. Augustine and we spent a lot of time at this record store and then it was clear like shows started happening there um and it was just the only place I hung out really and I became super good friends with both of the the guys who ran it they were just like kind of older brothers to me and we'd go skateboarding um and a couple of times like one one night early on in this like brett i was in there he's like i'm gonna he was closing up the store we were just talking about music whatever just you know a place to go or a teenager to go and like talk about what you're interested in and he said i'm going to this show in gainesville and uh you want to come and i said sure and i just hopped in his car with him and we we drove to gainesville and uh it was the band i hadn't i don't think i'd ever heard of him I, I don't think I'd seen the record yet or anything, but it was the band Floodgate. Are you familiar with that band? No, tell me. Um, I'm trying to remember the guy's name who was in the band. He also had a band called the Fisticuffs Bluff. Um, uh, he put out the the Nuzzle records, I think, too. I can't mm-hmm. I can't remember. Um, oh, it was what? called the Youth, Youth Strike Chord or something like that. Was the name of the label? But this Floodgate record, I think, was on Ebullition. And anyway, I went to the show and the band Moonraker from Gainesville, who soon would become friends of ours, uh, opened for Floodgate. And uh, man, that was great. That was amazing. That was an amazing show. Super good. And so that's just sort of like what the just early getting turned on to this kind of like more uh, specific like uh, stream of DIY punk music, hardcore music that was happening at that time. Whatever was happening with us in our little town, there was no other bands or people with interest really quite like ours. There was a there was a couple of more like kind of skate punk bands and stuff and friends of ours, but um, I think there was in Gainesville there was something happening big time and of course there were record stores there where this this stuff was becoming available and then also um some friends of ours in daytona so these are towns just right around us these things were starting to just happen on their own kind of disparately at least that's how it's it seems to me in retrospect Mm -hmm. um and i don't know just starting to to make some friends and all it takes is one time. And really this, this record store in St. Augustine was really the epicenter because I think we met, met people. And then the next thing you know, like we played a show in Gainesville and then we played a show in Daytona with these friends who had similar bands. And it was like, okay, instant like camaraderie. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was like, you know, and it wasn't planned. We didn't really like, uh, we didn't form our bands together in the same town or anything. It was like we came together and it was like, oh, we're doing this kind of the same coming from coming from the same route, you know. But, um, you know, this is like a very, kind of a very specific sort of like pigeonhole. But at the same time, it was undeniable, you know, like we just maybe appreciated the same 
things. So yeah, at that point, and there, it seemed like there was a scene all of a sudden, and it was, in my memory, it was short-lived because our band was short-lived, and my time in that geographic area wasn't, you know, wasn't going to be much longer. So really, it was, I think when I look back on it, it was like a year and a half or something. But, you know, that seems like it's a huge block of really influential time and I think the time is just denser when you're younger. So, um, is it crazy to think that people are still talking about that band? Like, why? Yeah, what, a little bit. I mean, it? a little bit seems like with information and interests that human beings have, there's just sort of like the endless variety. It's, and now sort of the fact that everything is available at your fingertips on some level. I mean, it's, it's not, super surprising and i think it's a pretty small scale i think on some i think on some levels i see bands that were that were great that i went to see then those times like for instance unwound just touring recently um and our band was kind of like i don't know a, a week or two behind them the last time we went out and did some shows on the west coast and i talked to a lot of younger people who had gone to see unwound around the northwest and stuff and they were so pumped and um, you know, I think they were selling out shows and stuff in big rooms. And I, you know, I remember seeing unwound a couple of times and there was like, um, and they were fucking amazing, but at the same time, uh, so yeah, that, I mean, that makes sense to me that, that it's just the way we are now. Um, you know, we had this record store that I'm talking about, you go and you find records or whatever, you talk to people, it's all word of mouth, but I mean, now you can just become, these kids can become experts of all information in one evening. So, you know, I started to have, you know, I had a, a good friend in St. Augustine who um, had traveled a little bit and was just like a, a really wonderful outgoing person. And she had all these pen pals like all, all over the country. So it seemed to me like pen pals in Philadelphia and this and that. And so like, you would you would hear about stuff that way or like you know through her or through other friends just the way the way it traveled it seemed very effortless i mean it does i know you say that it took more effort but at the time it seemed just um yeah i think maybe a maybe a different way to think about it is it just felt a little more there was like an element of um I don't know. It was, it felt sort of magical to hold a zine in your hand that was written by someone on a typewriter, like in a Northeast place when you lived in Florida or in California, even, or to see a band that was on tour that was like your age from had like driven from California or something. You were in it. You were in a band. You were, you were making this music. You were, you were talking to your friend that had those pen pals and you were learning about things and you were opening up records and going, fuck Indian summer. What's that? Moss icon. What the fuck is that? Um, and you yeah. know, filling your brain. Oh man. Yeah. Just like amazing, amazing. So rich. Really. I think it's still very rich. That was just a particular, you know, we're talking about sort of, um, a period that did, there was a lot of wonderful things such as the bands that you just mentioned that we were, uh, getting turned on to at the time. And I mean, now there's so much wonderful music as well, but I think, um, yeah, so it, it all, it all came together, but I don't know, like an example would be, you would hear about, um, you would hear about a show happening like really far away and in Florida, a lot of bands didn't want to come to Florida. Like it had a, a lot of people that I talked to in those days, it like had a bad reputation, you know, and honestly, I was happy to leave there as soon as I could. Um, but, you know, I look back on it and I, I still have family there and it's, it's, it's great. But at, at the time, you know, sort of, uh, it seemed like the, the root of all my evils. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, bands wouldn't come really so you know, a lot of bands never played in Florida, including like our band Wilderness. We were all from there and we played all over the country and in Europe and like never played in Florida once. So um, I don't know, but not to not to um, trash on Florida. It's a, it's a beautiful sunshine state. 
Um, but yeah, so you would hear about a show perhaps like for instance, once, uh, um, a friend and I heard about a universal order of Armageddon show in Louisville, Kentucky. And, uh, we just drove to it. We just went there and it was, I told my mother I was staying at a friend's house and uh, we just drove through the night and didn't sleep and showed up in Louisville. I have no idea how we found the place where the show was. Um, you know, I have no, I have no clue. It was insane. And, but we did, and we showed up at this place and this particular show, I think was, uh, it was the last Rodan show. Mm. Um, and it was Rodan was headlining and then Universal Order was opening up or played in the middle. And then uh, this band called Jax from either from Ann Arbor or Chicago at the time um, opened up. And I remember walking through the, the park, just killing time before the show and my friend and I. And there was these like crazy looking kind of goth vampire punks like milling around and we kind of pass them and said hello and then went to the show and it, and it ended up being the band jacks <laughs> and uh they were freaking great and we uh we bought the seven inch of course and um years later they ended up just becoming great friends of mine in baltimore we both lived in baltimore and had bands and i actually um briefly like played with them just kind of like went on tour with them to like fill in some stuff in their band. And so anyway, that was just like an early sort of coincidence. And then, you know, the singer of that band and I worked together at a restaurant in Baltimore, like however many years ago, years after that, I, I can't recall, but I said, weren't you, she said, yeah. And then anyway, um, that's amazing. So, yeah. Yeah. It, that was amazing. That was, um, that Jack's kind of became love life, which, the bass player from universal or order of Armageddon, I think was the bass player of love life. So, um, but anyway, we drove to that show and we, to see universal order of Armageddon, that was why we went and it was well worth it, man. It was well, well worth the trip. I don't know how far that is. You could look it up nowadays, but as a kid, that was definitely like the farthest I've ever driven in a car without an adult. Yeah, that that, that, <laughs> and, that was definitely far. I mean, you technically were staying at someone's house. It just wasn't your, you know, it, it was a friend. It just was being, it was, it was going to be a new friend. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember <laughs> even like staying anywhere. I just like maybe sleeping in the car, like in the woods a little bit and then driving right home. So good. Um, but yeah, they were amazing. That's cool. Um, stuff like that. Just like just, like making the trip because like that was it you know and did that a few times over the years for various bands what about um, the what about the word emo do you remember hearing it for the first time um no i mean i don't remember hearing it for the first time i mean i remember sort of reading it, it, it yeah for sure i think i probably read it like in the heart attack or something like that um and I was like, oh, yeah, okay. That's like, I guess that kind of describes what we do, sort of. And, you know, of course, at that time, it had already been a word for a, a long time. I don't I don't know, almost a decade probably. But mm -hmm. um, so, but yeah, it was just, I remember maybe reading reviews or something and the, the, word, the word would go out there. Or maybe if it was even like they would even tag things with a genre or something, like maximum rock and roll or something i don't know but yeah i remember i remember that and uh yeah i don't i don't remember people throwing it around a ton at the time but it was definitely like a descriptor that i recall for sure what do you think about it now or, i mean being it not just the word i mean being associated with your band oh okay yeah because what i think about it now is is really a whole other can of worms I was, um, I'm just, I'll tell you briefly, I was, um, at work at a client's house recently and, um, the client is, works at the high school and she works with troubled kids or something. And she just made a comment how this one kid is so emo. <laughs> and I was like, what, what is that? What does that mean exactly? And, um, and she's older than me. She's she's probably almost 60 years old, but 
Um, she said, you know, like dyed black hair and like the eyeliner and, you know, the, I don't know, whatever she went into, went into and basically just described a goth person. And I was like, Oh, Oh, we called that goth. Um, so that was sort of new, new to me. Cause I went back to the, the olden days. I was like, Oh, what does that exactly, what does that entail? But yeah, that's fine. Whatever people use, um, people use words to describe stuff. And I don't really, uh, that band has spent, it was so long ago and we were seriously children. So I don't really hold like a lot of, I don't hold it very precious or anything like that, but um, people could call it whatever they like. I don't find that term offensive or anything, you know, I mean, it's just, we use, we use words to describe stuff. We do our best to sort of like point at something with a concept or so it does, it does the trick, I guess. I mean, it, it does seem like it's gotten convoluted and weird. And I think I've maybe just checking out your podcast a little bit that became clear to me that it's like, Oh, so it's all this other stuff. And, kind of like um i yeah i don't i don't really know but at the time it was like oh yeah it's like describes like uh i don't know 50 bands that exist in the world or something like that yeah but, definitely so yeah i mean and then i think what what is interesting about this era and this time period is that a lot of the stuff isn't talked about and now it's you know sort of stuff that's getting back up on streaming services or getting looked at again in a in a different way which is exciting so to even though the association was like cool you know but then years later it goes through these ups and downs or iterations of what the word means it's interesting to kind of now that people are still digging and finding your band um which is still pretty amazing like people are finding it it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I mean, honest, honestly, any kind of I always find any kind of praise really uh, difficult to take mm-hmm. for some reason. I think I always have. And I think the reason for that is, is because deep down, I really crave it. I really I really want to be praised or something or liked, you know, even though I may sort of put out some sort of vibe that I don't give a fuck what other people think. It's just sort of, I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but it seems like that's sort of this element that we all have is like, uh, I would rather have someone say something nice about us than, um, criticize or what have you. But so, yeah, I don't know. That's so I, I guess that's why I sidestep it a little bit is just because, um, Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like maybe we could. I'm not exactly sure how to go about it. I mean, I can sort of describe what that band was to you in my memory. And to me, it was just like ah, just being young. Right. This is probably just going to describe punk rock. But we were we were very young. And as a child and then as a teenager, I had like insane amounts of anger and rage that would just sort of like brew and it was sort of coupled with this sort of like i was so fascinated and so happy to be alive but at the same time it just had this sort of like this that sort of anger and rage that would sort of boil up you know at at times and often when i was alone it would happen when i was like you know i wouldn't necessarily like uh, unleash it on others. But, um, there was a point where I picked up an electric guitar and just instinctually, you know, having listened to black flag and the Minutemen and stuff like instinctually just let it rip. And that mostly happened with Brian. And that's, I think why we did that band. And so it's sort of that sort of coupling that, sort of that anger and that rage and just that aversion in general, just sort of that, you know, that negative emotion of the mind that is like uh, just being averse 
mm-hmm. to something and often not even knowing what it was, but to pick up the guitar and then have a microphone that was like amplified and then just to couple that with music, which is like the indes- indescribable, unspeakable form, or is it even a form? Like, I don't even know. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Like, what is what even is music other than it's just we know that it is undeniably the best thing. Everyone loves it when music touches their inner heart, you know, just sort of those subtle elements are just so at the time, just taking that that element of music that has the potential to put beauty into the world and wanting to see beauty, wanting to feel beauty, wanting to share it with others, and then also just kind of like, what's the word? Just kind of putting that sort of anger and rage behind that impulse as well, and then just let it be itself in a way that was like, ah, it's cool. And then it's, it's fine. Let it, let it be. And then, so, you know, and being, hearing other bands that were kind of doing the same thing at the same time, sort of like bolstering your um, courage or your will to do it in front of others. And um, that's what it was. And there was sort of like, I don't know, this is kind of those unspeakable things. Thing that you would think about or you know write about or something late at night alone by yourself or just hard to really pinpoint um and then okay let's get together and play music and that's what that's what's going to be the impetus for this and that's what that band that's what that band was i think it was about just wanting to create beauty just being young not really knowing the best way to do it but that was what we had so that that's how we did it um And at the same time, I noticed when I started doing that, started using or started participating in music in that way, I I noticed that that rage and that anger became just quelled and soothed um, in a way that uh, to this day, it's still that way. It was like, you know, of course, those things are still there. We all experience those emotions, but just, ah, I don't know, it was a tool that inadvertently made it possible to kind of i don't know let that let that kind of mellow down a little bit in a way where you know the more positive stuff could kind of come forth so that's what that band was you know we drove around a little you know we were young and one time we went on tour and brian actually ran away because his parents we had like a sit down with his parents he was still in I think 11th grade or something. And uh, we had to sit down and said, can, can we go on tour? Can Brian go on tour? And they just said no to our face. And I tried to like persuade them to say yes. And we were just beside ourselves. And Brian called me late that night and said, dude, fuck it. I'm, we're going to go. I'm just going to leave a note. And he basically ran away to go on tour. How long was the tour? The tour was less than a day. We had a van. We bought a van. For one show? Yeah, well, we had a tour booked kind of around the south, the southeast, a little bit of the southwest. We we got together some money and bought a really shitty van. And we left on tour. Brian left a note that he had to do it. Sorry, got to go. You know, this is like a 17-year-old kid or whatever telling his parents, like, sorry, I'm out of here. I'm leaving for two weeks. And uh, we left. And about an hour and a half north of St. Augustine, the the motor on the van blew up. And uh, we were just stranded on the side of the road. And long story short, we had to call a tow truck, spent all of our money. It was like a 100-something dollars to, like, get towed back. Brian went home that night and said, I think I hopefully, you know, hopefully his, his dad's not listening to this, but um, 
he told his parents, you know, I just, I had a change of heart. I had to come home. And they basically received him like the prodigal son and, and just like, you know, oh, we love you so much. You're great. But re- really in the meantime, Dave and I were just beside ourselves and like, how can we do this? He's like, I'll get my mom's station wagon. So I'm calling Brian up in the middle of the night, dude, we can leave tomorrow. We can get to the Atlanta show. We're going to take Dave's mom's station wagon. And he's like, man, I can't do it. I just came home. They just made me dinner and like, you know, told me I'm the best. So, yeah, we had to scrap that one. That was our first attempt at touring, um, but that's that, that's how it went. Amazing. Did you have other tours? Yeah, we pulled it together, I think, maybe six months or a year later. His parents allowed him to go. We had a better van, and, um, yeah, it was great. We did. We toured mostly, mostly in the southeast and the southwest. Um, you know, I think maybe as far as Austin was as far west as we went, and that was it. I know in Austin we played with the band Mineral. Nice. Who I think is remembered now. There was also another band that we played with there called uh, Blue Star Fight, and they were really cool, uh, nice nice people that I've actually um, just sort of coincidentally come in contact with, seen them over the years in other places. Um it's hard for me to it's hard for me to remember uh oh we played with his hero is gone in um little rock i remember that show pretty well it's like in a trailer like in a uh you know like in a mobile home mm-hmm. <laughs> it's amazing wow uh, i remember just rolling around like on this disgusting shag carpet um yeah that's that great. Was good. And his hero, his hero was, I think it was, yeah, his hero is gone. I was thinking they're maybe their first tour or something. So you would um, just have, you would just get thrown on random shows. Like you booked it all sort of like haphazard, not haphazard, but you weren't like, you know, with a bunch of bands for a certain amount of time. No, no. Um, yeah. We, you know, you played with some bands in Florida over the years and got, or, you know, over the months really, and would get contacts. And I basically just, sent out a cassette tape with a letter and um those those payphone dialer things were popular mm-hmm. at the time for booking tours and a friend um our friend adam who ended up roadieing on that trip gave me one of those dialers and i used that uh to book the tour because you know it'd be like a couple hundred bucks in phone bills trying to do that back then and it was easy i mean send a tape send a letter and people would call you or write you back. And I don't know, like, and you just showed up, I guess you got directions. I, I don't know how that worked, but we always got there and it, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So many people mentioned the dialer. Oh uh, yeah. I bet. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's it a, was a thing for sure. I remember. Yeah. Um, talk about Vulture Feather. Uh, yeah, Vulture Feather. So uh, it's still Brian and I playing and uh, we're, we're playing with our friend Eric who lives here. We all, we all live in the same Canyon, basically. Um, they call it a gulch here, but just kind of up, up in this, uh, this same gulch Canyon area. And, um, I don't know how it came about. I basically had stopped playing music. I just, I just, uh, gave it up. Um, I gave up a lot of stuff. Like I wasn't really listening to music and sort of like stopped watching movies and even reading novels. And I just kind of focused my life in a, in a more quiet way. You know, I sort of had, there were some events, I'm sorry, uh, some events that occurred in my life that were kind of um, just like sort of monumental life changing Mm -hmm. stuff and um sort of based mostly based around um like addiction and stuff sort of like substance abuse and things like that to the point where um just kind of came to a head with a a really insane automobile accident and um really it by all accounts it seemed like i probably should have perished in the accident but Um, I didn't. And at that moment, when I realized that I wasn't dead and uh, I just emerged from this upside down vehicle, it was it was in a river. Uh, So it's really it's like bombastic tale. But I basically got out of this crawled out of this wreck 
And I realized right at that moment, I was like, I said to myself, this is everything will be different from now on. I'm going to just change everything and sort of everything that was important to me. And the reasons why I, I always played music, all of those things were sort of, I don't know, they had just been sort of covered up, you know, by the use of alcohol and drugs. So mm-hmm. I think um, just trying to recapture that sort of mystical essence that is at the heart of like, I don't know, like at the cre- the heart of the creative act maybe or other various ways of maybe reaching those states. But um, at that moment, after that accident, I just, I s- stood up and I realized like, okay, I need to just make a shift. And I did pretty immediately. I just, um, uh, yeah, I really, I really changed up. How so? My, was it like you finding a different job or do you move to a different area? Did you meet someone? No, no. Stayed in the same, stayed in the same place and stayed with my same par- partner. And, um, just, I just stopped using, um, intoxicants, right. which was brutal for like a year. I just was kind of, uh, a, a rough, it was a rough sort of shell of human being, find found any sort of social interaction difficult um and at the time my wife and i were we had a band going with a friend it was like an instrumental um kind of like surf goth thing super fun band um i played bass which i had never done and it was basically built around my wife's electric guitar playing which was like she was like a virtuoso just sort of picked it up and she does this with all forms of kind of the, the physical realm, but she picked up the electric guitar. She said, I want to play, like, I'd like to learn how to play surf guitar. And so anyway, she sort of did that and I just let her have my guitar and, um, she just mastered it. So we're like, Ooh, we should, we should do a band. And at that time we were doing that band and that band just kind of naturally fizzled pretty much very quickly after this accident. And so, yeah, I, I just cut out all of those, all of those things, all of those distractions. And, um, I started to focus on more of just the inner, the inner life really. Um, and it was that way for a long time for like, I'd say a solid five years that I, that's where I put my focus and wow. listen to very, listen to very little music and, um, you know, didn't really consume any media, so to speak at all. What were you and, doing for work? Um, I, my wife and I build cabinets. We have a, a cabinet making business and sort of also finish carpentry. Um, and so we were doing that, that we've, but we've been doing that since we've been here for like the last 15 years. Um, so that didn't really change. One thing that did change is we used to work a lot long hours and not very many days off. And, um, you know, I would enjoy intoxicants at work. (laughs) So it wasn't like Mm -hmm. a big, uh, you know, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed being at work. Um, but one thing that happened was we just started working a lot less. We're like, okay, let's take the weekends off. Let's work six days, six hours instead of 10. And so that, you know, and just taking more time, slow down, and like eat, sit down and eat a meal together and just pay attention, start to try to like gain some focus, you know? And so that was that, yeah, five years of that. And there were, you know, there were other things just sort of like, um, you know, ways of going about sort of entering into that, that channel of the inner life, you know? And so, that was yeah, about about that much time. And then I don't know, I think what what shifted just sort of slowly just loosening up my heart just was like loosening and loosening after getting over, you know, maybe a year of just like getting over using intoxicants, you know, and then all of a sudden we started to listen to music again at work. My wife started to put music on and um. I just hadn't listened and I just, it was, I was ready. I was ripe to hear music again. 
And I did, I heard, I heard a few things that just, just music in general coming back to it and, and stuff that I, maybe I had heard before I, I, I was sort of abstained from listening and then stuff that I hadn't heard that just, I, I don't know, all of a sudden I started to feel inspired a little bit without really thinking about it. I felt it brewing. And, uh, what stuff do you remember? Yeah, I mean it's just a it's just a wide oh a, a wide breadth really, but you know, um like Nina Simone and like a lot of just a lot of bands I listened to when I was in high school, like New Order and bands like this band Holy Ghost, which is like kind of a just like a dance a dance band. I really was enjoying dance music a lot and like um older rock and roll and like whatever kraut rock and just really anything just letting it just letting it be like beth would play the music and i would listen and i would just be like all right this is great and and uh the timing was right and eventually i pulled out the guitar it was just like dusty and old and maybe even in a box and and i pulled it out and i i always have enjoyed tuning guitars in alternate ways and i tuned it in a new way that i just immediately just turned the pegs until i liked the way it sounded and uh things that i just immediately just started flowing music and i just felt so good and i i think very shortly after that i you know i maybe had three riffs or something and i texted brian and i said uh maybe we should jam that was all i wrote him and he just wrote back for sure and so we did and uh, when we did, it was just like amazing. It felt so good. We hadn't played together for like 15 years. You know, we had lived as neighbors and, you know, I was sort of watching his his family blossom, his daughters being born and getting older. And we were both working and, you know, seeing each other. But it was just life. And then we got together, you know, in this this old Quonset hut. Uh, on his property and uh you know it was like off the grid and stuff there's like solar panels plugged in the amps and everything worked great and uh yeah before long it was just like off to the races like okay let's do this and it was instrumental for a long time and then i don't know at one point the words started to come and and um at that time it was clear like yeah we should probably find a drummer and so we we contacted eric and i think we named the band kind of in the middle and the early stages of um, the early sort of gestation of the band. The songs were starting to come together and our town just got engulfed in wildfire and it burned right through that aforementioned Canyon where we all live and almost destroyed our homes uh, did, did destroy a couple of cabins on the property where Eric lived, burned them to the ground um, and burned basically right up to our doors, Brian and, and our door. And um, I remember going just frantically with a fire was a day away from us. I was down in the in the creek, just like rooting around with the pipe, trying to get trying to get the water to flow because it was in the middle of a horrible drought at the same time. Um, and trying to get water into our tanks so that the firefighters would have something to hose the place down with. And I was just just really frantic. You know, it was time to evacuate basically that night. And um, there was a there was a pile of feathers on the ground when I and I just had this this moment. You know, when things get really hectic, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden there's this like this this clarity aspect that is so just sort of peaceful almost. And I see, and there's this this pile of vulture feathers on the ground and i'd never seen anything like that it was odd um and so i don't know just the themes of like death and impermanence and okay here's our place about to burn down and elements trying to get the water to flow in the middle of a fire and all these things um and then also sort of like maybe some uh some sort of whatever inner esoteric stuff that the vulture feather uh symbolizes or something so yeah so i i 
did all, you know, I handled that with the water and I wrote Brian that afternoon and said, I think I have the band name. How about Vulture Feather? And he was like, definitely. So yeah, then I don't know. I, I called Eric and Eric is just a very, um, he's, he loves music and he's a, he's a great drummer and he's somewhat of a, you know, somewhat of a traveler and a little bit of a drifter. Um, but a really, also a really grounded person, um, really just down to earth, humble, cool person. And, um, I called him and I said, listen, we have this band. I'm pretty sure like there's a record coming together. Do you want to like come and see if it would work with you? And he was living in New Mexico at the time. He, he had left California maybe six months earlier or something to, to work and live in New Mexico. And he did, he, he came back for two weeks and we gave it a shot and it was like, okay, no brainer. We made some demos and he made plans to move back and just do the band. Um, and the record came together and we booked time and went and made the record. And now we're, we practice two or three times a week and the songs are just like coming really fast. It feels like a, a really, um, it's a really fun band to play with to play that, in that rules that's such a beautiful story absolutely beautiful um familiar with um some of the fire stuff i was in the high desert for a lot of the time during 2020 and, and you know you get the yeah. alert that you gotta yeah. get your shit in your car and you the way the wind shifts based on who's gonna get you know they turn the power yeah, off right. it's crazy uh -huh, you get it yeah so we had basically a month and a half in our town where it was like that relentlessly just kind of where the wind would come in the afternoon and it would push it in a certain direction and the fire would go and, you know, turn and then it would turn again, come back towards you. And, um, yeah, the day that it burned through our Canyon, it was sort of like the hottest, um, windiest, clearest day. Um, and pretty much we watched, we, we thought we watched our place burn. My wife and I just sat in the car and like held hands and watched this insane 200 foot blaze just kind of go over the top of where our cabins are, Brian's and mine. And um, yeah, we went to bed that night. We just kind of made peace with it and said, all right, we lost everything. We were, um, we were sleeping in our cabinet shop, like on the table saw table. Um, <laughs> we had our dog and cats down here and in the shop and, uh, went to bed sure that we lost everything, you know, no insurance or anything like that. It was just kind of like this cabin off the grid in the woods. But, um, yeah, I got a call in the morning from a neighbor that it was still there. Wow. And uh, kind of mixed feelings. It was odd when I heard that it was still there just because you come to peace with something like that. You know, it's kind of liberating in a lot of ways that you just realize that you don't have anything except what's like here in yeah, the car. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, no, it wasn't the case. It was still there, and most of the woods around it were pretty charred. But um, wow, yeah, well, that's that story. I love it. That's a beautiful story, and I want to talk about this record because, um, and I'm not, I'm not tooting my my horn, but I get sent stuff all the time, and um, there's few records that have hit me in the last you know year or so, um, like this one, and I remember throwing it on and. Um, enjoying the tunes and then it kind of hit monument and then it hit be still. And then it kind of just has this like, um, kind of aim, like kind of rad, like climax to the record, which I thought was really cool. And, um, it just, it, when you said earlier about it kind of being instrumental, um, makes sense, but then you're, you know, the vocals fit in so well and it has this sort of, um, you know, I don't know, I don't know if broodiness is a word or just sort of has this sure. like, you know, and I, I super, I super got into it. And I just think if the way that you tell that now that that's where those songs came from, like, I love dark shit. <laughs> I love really, you know, um, and this, this was, you know, it seemed like you were making something beautiful out of something dark. And that's how I took the record, even without hearing that story. Oh, well, thank you. I'm so happy that you like it. Does that yeah. concur that it was, I mean, something dark turning into something beautiful? Yeah, yeah. That kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier, I guess, even about Don Martin 3 or whatever. There you is know, a, just sort yeah, of, it's both. At that, just, yeah. Just, um, yeah, yeah. That's, that's that transmutation, I think, that art is able to achieve. 
And, uh, you know, some things are just straight dark and that's, that's beautiful in its way too. But for me, when there's just sort of like a little bit of light cracking through that, and it's not overt or, I mean, not that vulture feather is this way, but, but music or art that I appreciate when sort of just, there's that element of, um, you know, whatever the emotion is, I don't know, um, just hope or beauty or something. There's like a little bit cracks through and then it's gone again. But I do yeah. find the similarity of Don Martin three and the, what you guys were doing. And then the same thing about vulture feather. And I just think it's even more beautiful the way that it happened for this current record. Um, and how you made music and how you were sort of stepping away from things. And, um, there's this, I don't know, there's this general feel of, having to kind of keep up or having to keep going and for you to kind of be able to step away and be okay with that. Um, I think happened for a lot of people with, you know, COVID, but also true. I think for you personally, like knowing that in that moment and being able to do that, um, is kind of beautiful because there, the society has this pressure to just kind of, you know, keep up and keep going. And I grew up in a really small town. I didn't know anything. I didn't know what, I didn't know what the world was. And, um, you start to see things. And sometimes I want to go back to like not knowing and just sort yeah. of happening organically. And this record feels so organic, similar as you're a kid in 10th grade and you have no fucking clue. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Oh, thank you. So yeah, I, yeah, it's, it's probably it's one of my favorite pleasure. releases. It's probably one of my favorite releases of the year. Wow. Thanks, Tom. I appreciate that. Um, and so what else are you guys going to be playing as much shows as you can? What are some of the, what are some of the plans as this record just yeah. came out? Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to, I think tour the West coast, maybe I think 15 or 16 shows in September. Um, and then we're sort of working on plans to do something East coast and then also like Chicago Midwest a little bit for maybe 10 days or something this like late fall or early winter. That one's not really formed yet, but the, the shows in September are all booked. So that's uh that's a plan for sure. Badass. Um, and then, yeah, we also pretty much just about there with a a new record's worth of material, which is probably common nowadays just because of how long it takes for vinyl to get pressed. Um, but I think probably this winter we'll also make another record. It seems like um, there's a lot of good things out of coming out of this record. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's been fun. There's yeah, I don't know. There's I've definitely been a little bit trepidatious about it. I've I've kind of gone whole hog into it and just like okay we'll book some shows and you know i'll talk to you for instance but i definitely feeling a little um yeah i guess trepidatious is the word just sort of um why no it's ah, a good question I, it comes back to just sort of that um yeah just not wanting any kind of you know not wanting to just talk about this stuff or our lives or whatever um the past and things just more just let it lie but um you know and just sort of that sort of that desire to you know to have that appreciation or whatever you know sort yeah. of like what creeps what? me out creeps me out a little bit yeah about myself yeah no i i, I understand that i think there i think there are people that um, that I've spoken to and definitely, you know, in life, not just the show, but that have, you know, that it, there's just a different connection to this music. And sometimes people are just walking forward and a lot of people don't want to look back and they just want to keep going. And I actually honor that a lot. Yeah. I mean, I've noticed the few interviews that I've listened to, I think it's, it's possible to do both. You just have to keep watch, you know, you have to keep watch on your own mind and just sort of know what your motivation is or your intention and you know i'll try to do that the best that i can and i think when i do look at the motivation or the 
the intention. I do sense a little bit of that just um, wanting some kind of notoriety, you know, and so I just find that um, questionable, I guess, it's <laughs> the word just in my own mind. So that's that that's just to clarify. That's sort of why I, yeah. why I was trepidatious about you know, you could just do this band. We had, like I said, there was a band with uh, my wife and our our friend, and and uh, we didn't really. We played shows and we toured the West Coast, but we didn't do anything. We just sort of let it do its thing. And someone put out a tape, and it, that was fine. Um, but this has been a little more like, okay, let's maybe. I don't know. I'll see if there's a label that wants to put it out, or you know that sort of thing. And yeah. Then, now doing doing things like you know well, i guess we need an instagram account and stuff you know stuff that i just was really not um not really a part of my life at that up until then you know let me just plug it though reggae 90210 is the name of the band just because my wife's guitar playing is so sick and uh, she rarely even touches the guitar now. She just picked it up and like <laughs> shredded it for a year and then moved on to the I next love it. art form. Is it on Bandcamp as well? Yeah, yeah, it should be on there. All yeah. Right. Um, our friend Steve put out a, t- a tape, so it's uh, it's out there. Nice. I love it. Instrumental. Anything else you want to mention about Vulture Feather or um, anything else that you're thinking about? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, it's been um, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. I appreciate um, your thoughtful questions and your your interest. It really means a lot. Thank you. Yeah!